Well, welcome back to week two of Saturday nights at the river. It's uh, good to be here uh, with you guys again. Uh, as we kind of kick off, I do have something pretty cool I want to tell you guys about. Uh, if you remember last week, I mentioned to you about uh, there's someone who loves our church, who wants to bless our church, and so they offered, uh, as we've been kind of raising funds for a facility for our church, that over the next 30 days, uh, they would match all donations to our building fund up to $20,000, and I just wanted to brag on you guys for a second, because in one week, you guys raised $8,000. Y'all give it up, River Church. Yeah, I would clap, but it's kind of loud. So I just want to say thank you for that, guys. That's such a huge blessing. Um, and really over the lifetime of even when we just hey, told you guys about this, y'all have raised over $14,000 just in a few weeks. So that's amazing. Uh, thank you for that. I want to ask you to continue to pray for me through this. Pray for our church. Pray that God would open up some fantastic doors for us and that at the end of the day we find a space where we just go, I mean, God did this, right? Amen? Like, where we just go, how did God make that happen? How do we get this amazing place? And so that's what I'm praying for because we believe in a God that is active and moving today. We believe in a God who does miracles today. And so we're praying, and I want you to pray with me, that God would open up just the perfect spot uh, for our church. So enough of that. I wanted to brag about you guys for a little bit because I was shocked when I saw, I checked the numbers out this morning. I was like, I wonder how much, you know, has come in towards this goal. And you guys are fantastic. So thank you for that. Um, all right. So last week we started a new series entitled Kingdom of Heaven, uh, where we're looking at Jesus's Sermon on the Mount, uh, where he mentions this idea over and over really throughout the entire time he's talking. He keeps coming back to this idea that we as Christians are members of this thing he calls the kingdom of heaven, but it's not some kingdom of heaven necessarily in the future, although the kingdom of heaven is in the future. It's also something that he's speaking about that is here, active, on earth, right now in this moment. And so he talks about what this idea of is of the kingdom of heaven living out, being fleshed out in our world today through us as Christians. And last week he talked about the idea of what we call the Beatitudes, um, which is kind of feel, it's, it's not passive, but it can feel a little bit more passive when it talks about humility and suffering and things, almost things happening, happening to us. And we have to make choices about how we handle those things. This week he's going to really speak to something that feels more active in the Christian walk. He, he's going to show us how the kingdom of heaven should really pervade all of our lives and all of who we are and every really even action that we take as Christians. And so I'm going to start here, Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 13, and we're going to walk through this. It's, it's uh, the salt and light, which um, you're probably pretty familiar with. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made tasty? For it is no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Now, first thing when I was reading this, maybe first thing you noticed too, is he, when he says this, he says, you are the salt of the earth, right? Not, not one day you will be the salt of the earth, not somebody else is the salt of the earth, not one day you could be the salt of the earth. He says, right now, you Christians speaking emphatically to us, he says, you are the salt of the earth. This is kingdom life now, right? Even that, that word you in the Greek is an emphatic exclamation. He's like, you and no one else are the salt of the earth. Right now, today, in this moment, right, for all time. And he says, he says, you are 
now, like in a pandemic, salt of the earth. Okay, <laughs> what does that mean, right? Well, I, as I was kind of reading this this week, I learned or maybe remembered a lot of things about salt that I never really even wanted to know, right? I learned that salt in the ancient world was good for, um, one thing that they did to use it in the ancient world was since they had no refrigeration, uh, which I almost lost my refrigerator a couple weeks ago, which is not a good situation, um, but when you have no refrigeration, they would pack salt on meat and fish, and it would preserve it for a longer a period of time. They, I learned that salt is essential for the human diet, like you need a little salt in you. Do you know that? A little saltiness, right? I learned that maybe a little bit less glorifying fact that they would use salt in small quantities as fertilizer. Did you know that? Salt can be used as fertilizer? Which you think about Jesus and the way he teaches and like, he's just poetic because you are the salt of the earth sounds a lot better than you are the manure of the earth, right? It's a little better, right? It's a little better, right? So salt has a lot of functions, right? And we, we learn this. It's, it purifies, it preserves, it adds flavor, it adds healing, right? You ever put salt in the wound, right? It, it adds healing. It creates thirst. And like as a preacher, when I was going through these attributes, I'm like, man, you can preach on those, can't you? Like you'd be like, like Christians, you should be healing, right? Christians, you should create thirst for Jesus, right? Like you could, you could go with that, right? You could do that, right? So we look at this, we're like, all right, so which, which one is Mike going to tell me I am today? Right? Is some of us the fertilizer? Are some of us the people that make things more flavorful? Some of us do we preserve, right? Some of what what are we? Well, the idea that Jesus is really talking about here isn't necessarily one attribute of salt, although you could probably point to some of them, but really the idea as a whole, not 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 one specific function of salt, but the beauty of salt as a whole. Because what you see when you study this salt that he's talking about is that salt in the ancient world at their time was absolutely necessary for not just life, but everyday life. Not just for some moment, but really most moments of your day. It had a positive function and a positive use in everyday life. And he's looking at the disciples and the crowd and he's saying to Christians and to you and me today as kingdoms uh, or as citizens of the kingdom of heaven on earth, you as Christians should be vital for everyday life in the world. We should add value to the world around us. Kingdom disciples of Jesus are vital for the welfare and the good of the world. Why? Because you are, as Christians, you are now different people because of the impact that the kingdom of heaven, Jesus, is having on our lives. We are now, what Jesus is going to teach us, the means that God uses to impact and shape the world in good ways. Like, here's some practical ways I was thinking about this, right? generosity, right? Thinking about when I say generosity, Christian charity, Christian charities that are started all over the world by Christians. I think about fighting for justice because we value life. I think about opening shelters for the homeless. You think about all the charities for people in need, right? Providing food and clothing. I look at nonprofit organizations. I think about even hospitals being started by Christians all over the world. You think about churches and how churches have budgets to do good and help people, right? And serve people, right? And that's just, that's just one aspect of this. But my point is looking at this is that we as Christians, the idea is that we add value and vitality to the world around us. That's a pretty beautiful idea, isn't it? It's a pretty cool idea. But then Jesus says this, and he gives us this kind of warning about salt. And he says, but if salt should lose its taste, 
how can it be made salty? Is it, no longer, it is no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. And you're going, oh man, where is he about to go with this? He's about to preach hard. Well, something else I learned about salt this week is that salt actually can't lose its saltiness. Did you know that? Like, you calling Jesus a liar? <laughs> like, no, I'm not. I'm just saying it's, it can't, like, it's by, according to science that I learned, it's uh, sodium chloride is a stable compound. It can't actually lose its saltiness. However, salt can become contaminated. Did you know that? It can become contaminated, and then when it becomes contaminated, it begins to lose its flavor because it's contaminated by other substances in the world around it. You go, well, how do we become contaminated? I think of things like pride and hate and lust and greed and gossip. I think of the love of money. I think of the love of power. Things that begin to creep in our lives and contaminate us. And we lose our focus on the fact that, guys, we're supposed to be salt. We're supposed to add value. We're supposed to make the world around us better in Jesus' name. And the truth is, even reading this text this week, I look around at the insanity of our world, and I do wonder how we're doing there, you know? Like, am I the only one? I, I wonder how, how we're doing there. Like, if we're too busy fighting about stupid stuff that doesn't matter instead of making the world around us better. It's just, I know you're like, come on, Mike, be careful, but I'm just, I'm just wondering out loud in front of you. I'm wondering out loud, are we, are we losing our focus on what Jesus is calling us to do and be by just getting caught up in stupid arguments? I'm pretty sure there's a scripture for that, actually, um, but I don't have it or remember it off the top of my head. One of you guys can text me that later, right? It, all I'm saying is that it seems to be a pretty strong warning from Jesus that we as Christians should examine ourselves and consider, are we being contaminated by the junk around us or are we being transformed by the kingdom of heaven for a purpose, to add good and vitality and, and blessing to the world around us, to the, really the people who come in our circle? It's just something to think about. So Jesus moves on, verse 14 he says, you are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. So after Jesus gives this, this warning about salt and this challenge about salt, Jesus makes really what, what I think is another stunning declaration about Christians uh, here on earth. He says, you are, again, you are the light of the world. And ag again, that's right now. That's in this moment. That's not in the future. That is right now, Christians, you are the light of the world. And what's insane about this is that you guys probably even know, like right here, there's a, uh, I'm not sure what you call it, but there's a, a poster or whatever right here that says, I am the light. Who's that talking about? Jesus, right? Over and over, Scripture tells us that Jesus is the light of the world. And yet he's like transferring this to us and going, you're going to be the light of the world. What is the light of the world? He says, John 8, 12, talking about Jesus. It says, Jesus spoke to them and said, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, 
but will have the light of life. John 9, 5, talking about Jesus. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. John 12, 46, I have come as a light into the world so that everyone who believes in me would not remain in darkness. Light chases out darkness. Jesus looks at the disciples and he says, you're going to be the light bearers. You, you are going to be that light. Check it out later on in Ephesians. Now, not talking about Jesus anymore, but talking about you and me. He says, for you were once darkness past, but you are the light of the world talking about us now. Now you are the light of the world. And I love this. He says, walk as children of light. Isn't that cool? Because that's active. That's like, go, move, walk, live, breathe, be, walk. As children. Like, think about it. if it makes you feel better, strut as light in the world, right? Walk with a little swagger because you've got something, man. You are now the light of the world. Philippians 2.15 says, so that you may be blameless and pure children of God who are faultless in, check out what it says there, in a crooked and perverted generation. Anytime you ever, you ever look around the world and feel like you're in a crooked and perverted generation? You ever feel like that sometimes? He doesn't say that's going to be a surprise. He just tells us to walk. He tells us that we should shine like what? Stars in the world. That we should, our lives should just be something different, man. It's, to me, I read that, and as I was reading that this week, I like was taken aback just really of what an incredibly powerful, wonderful statement that is. And yet at the same time, a pretty big responsibility, don't you think? A pretty big responsibility. Like, think about what does, what does light do? Well, light makes darkness go away. Light illuminates light helps you see like maybe you're like me you ever get up in the middle of the night to go to the restroom and try to stumble through the house in pitch black darkness and stub your toe or your knee or fall over on your back you ever been there I'm the only one that has to pee at three o'clock in the morning I remember one time there's a story about my dad <laughs> I shouldn't tell he's gonna be 60 this week um he got up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom the bathroom door was shut. It was so dark, he didn't see that. Slammed face first in the bathroom door, fell on his back. Hit it so hard, he fell on his back. And he said the worst part about it was that he couldn't go to sleep for the rest of the night because every few minutes the bed would start shaking because my mom started laughing at him all over again, right? You may not want to admit it, but we've all been there, right? We've all been there. What does light do? Light, light reveals. Light changes the view. Light helps you see what you could not see anymore. And here's what I want to say is that there's people who don't know Jesus in, our, in your sphere of influence who don't have a relationship with Jesus and they're still walking in darkness. They're walking around stubbing their toe, messing up the knee, running it into the door, damaging their lives, getting scars because they just can't see. And Jesus looks at you and me and he says, hey, you once were in darkness. Now I'll walk in light. You once were in darkness, but not anymore. Thank you. Can we say praise Jesus on that one? Huh? Anybody, anybody who's a Christian in here who's excited about that idea? If you're a Christian today in this space, 
you don't walk in darkness anymore. You can see. Now, that's not to say you don't mess up occasionally. That's not to say you don't make some mistakes, right? But guess what? You're not blind anymore. Now you can see. I, I don't know. I, I, wonder if, I wonder if we remember what it was like before we were Christians. Like before we had a relationship with Jesus. And I wonder, I'm not going to ask you, you don't have to tell me right now, but if you were to think back about how, how, how each one of us became a Christian. Think back to that moment where you gave your life to God or you made the choice to give your life to God. And, and think about really what transpired up to that moment. Like what took place to, to help move you into the space where you, that rhyme, to help get you into the space where you said, I want to give my life to God now, right? Like, I don't, I wonder if, I mean, maybe you just woke up and you're like, you know what, I'm in, let's do this. And there was no other factors. I doubt it. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that's happened before, Holy Spirit, you know, power. But I wonder if you were to think back through that and through those moments, I wonder if there was a person or persons in your life who helped you see him. I wonder if there was a person or persons in your life who modeled Jesus in front of you or modeled kingdom life empowered by God in front of you and showed you what the kingdom of heaven could look like in your life. That person was doing what Jesus is talking about here. Isn't that pretty cool? Isn't that pretty cool to think about? Like, there's somebody... I would bet in your life or somebody's in your life who modeled that in front of you, who was light for you, and they were literally doing the thing that the God of the universe tells us to do a couple thousand years ago. Like that to me is so cool. And I got to be honest with you, I want to I wanna take part in that, don't you? Like I don't just want to get saved by it. I want to be a part of doing that. I, I don't know. I want like... We, I just think it's so beautiful that we as Christians get to be a living demonstration for what that kingdom of heaven on earth looks like and that we get to be a light to those who are still walking in darkness that one day they may see. Like we literally get to be a lighthouse for other people to guide them home. How cool is that? I know you got your mask on, but I believe every one of y'all is smiling just thinking about it right now. You're like, man, that's so awesome. He's so good at preaching. That's such a great idea. So Jesus continues on. He says, so you're the light. Because you're the light, Matthew 5, 15, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand. And it gives light for all who are in the house. And in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Now, the typical kind of lamp that was used in this time period is kind of a small lamp, hole on the top, spout kind of on one side, hole, you put the oil in, spout, you put the cotton in, you light it. It doesn't give a lot of light, but if you put it up on a lampstand, it can illuminate the entire house. And so that's why when Jesus makes this statement, I kind of imagine a couple of the disciples like laughing at him because he's like, no one lights a lamp and puts it, un like hides it. And they're like, oh, Jesus, that would be stupid. Why would you do that? That makes no sense. You put it on the lampstand to illuminate. That's the point of the light. And Jesus, I feel like, has turned that on us and given this kind of silly idea to go, exactly. I ain't saving you to hide you, man. I ain't saving you to make it a secret, man. Jesus is saying to the disciples, I want you to, I know it's maybe a silly illustration, but I want you to shine. I, I want you to provide light 
I, I want them to see your life and see me. I want the world to see how you're changed. I want the world to see how the kingdom of heaven has impacted you today and shaped you today to give something different than the crud that they're seeing in everybody else and everywhere else. How, how the kingdom of Jesus is healing you where you're broken. Doesn't mean you're healed, but how he's healing you where you're broken, where God is giving you hope, where you found life, where you didn't find life before, where, where God is working in your marriage, where God has helped your kids, where God has provided for you financially when you didn't know where you were going to turn, where God has answered your prayers, where God has taken away your anger, where God has purified your eyes, where God has saved your soul. He says, I want other people to see that. I want the world to see the kingdom of heaven at work in you. And here's a scary word that I'm not great at, all the time, maybe we're not either, but sometimes that means for us this idea of transparency, where we're honest with the world around us about who we were, and then are able to say, but look at what Jesus is doing in my life. Where we sit in our community groups and we tell the truth about the pain that we've experienced or the frustration that we've experienced or the fear that we've experienced and the struggles that we've experienced, and we say, but Jesus is working. Where a pastor who stands up on a stage and talks about who he was, his fears, his frustrations, his anxiety, says, but Jesus is changing me and saving me and healing me. Where we tell our coworkers, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once had pain, but he's healing. I once was hopeless, but... And I think it's so important that it's even where we don't pretend like we got it all together all the time and it's all fixed and all healed and all perfect, and we, but where we can say, where we say, I still am struggling here. I still am suffering here. I still am in pain here, but Jesus is healing me. Jesus is helping me. Jesus is giving me hope where once I didn't have any. Amen? Amen? In our transparency and vulnerability, People see where Jesus has been at work, and in that they see something genuine and real and true. Where we can stand up and say, I once was, but now I am. Because the purpose, what's really crazy about this purpose or this passage here about the kingdom of heaven on earth is he says this thing where he goes, you're the salt of the earth. And he says, you're the light of the world. And although it's all about us, it's not actually about us at all, is it? It's, it's not. It's all about everyone else seeing Jesus in your life, in my life, seeing how he's impacted us genuinely and truly. Not some fake junk, but something real. People, people need something real. People need something true. People don't need something that's just fluff. They don't need something that's just pretty. They need the truth. And we have an opportunity to illuminate the Savior with our lives. And, I, you know, if I can just, like, level with you guys, like, if you grew up in the church or you've been around church for any period of time, you've heard this preached over and over. That's why I talked about it being right up there. We know this, right? He's the light. We're the light, right? You hear, like, you've probably sat in churches like this and seen a pastor stand up holding, like, a big old salt shaker or, like, light and stuff. He's like, you're supposed to make the world salty. You're supposed to, you know what I mean? Like, we've heard this. We know this. We understand it. But here's the challenge of this text. Again, I look around and wonder, how are we doing on this? Because this is a very important moment in the history of our world. 
This is a very important moment. And there is a longing, I believe, there is a longing for Jesus right now. There is, whether people realize it or not, there is a brokenness that is being revealed in them because of everything happening in our world right now. There is pain and suffering and fear and loss. And in a lot of places, it's actually always, it's always been there, but it's being revealed because of everything happening, right? It's more evident to us than at any time in our life. And there's people who have put all their hope and faith in this temporary world. They've put all their trust in this temporary world, and the last year has just ripped it right out from under them, hasn't it? Some of, I mean, me too in some places. Come on, let's be honest. Me too in some places. And there is in our world a longing for something more, man. There is a longing for something more. And it's, it's just that people are walking in darkness. And they can't see that the thing they need is Jesus. Because they're blind and they're stubbing their toe and they're running into doors and they're creating scars. And for Christians, now is your moment. Like if there was a great movie, if we were writing a movie about this and there's like, you see the arc of the storyline where it's like, oh, things are great. And it's like, COVID, awful, everything's awful, you know. And then they're like, here's the music. Like, here comes the music. Here comes the here comes the difference. Here comes the change. Like you can feel it in the song, right? Here it comes, right? Now's, now's your moment. And it's, it's not about, it's not you. It's just, it's just Jesus in us. It's time for us to point to something better, to point to something that is true, to point to a foundation that stands, that's something that is real, someone who has saved us and is healing us. And maybe we're not perfect, but we can still point to Jesus. We can say, I once was, but by the grace of Jesus, now I am. And it's this, it's this wonderful and beautiful calling that we have. It's, it's, Jesus asking you to be nothing more than you are, which is a person who is a sinner saved by grace through faith and into the kingdom of heaven being transformed by this wonderful Savior, King Jesus. And now he says, honor me with your life. Live for me with your life. Be honest with the world around you, how I'm impacting and changing and saving and healing your life. And to me, I read that, and it's absolutely beautiful. He says, don't be contaminated by the junk around you, but be transformed by the kingdom of heaven so that other people may, be, may see that and just come to me. That's what he wants. Romans 12.1, I like the way it says it. I'm going to read one and two, actually. It says, therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, and this is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age. That means don't, don't be transformed by this world. Don't, don't be changed by this world today. He says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's 
Jesus working in us, renewing our minds, that's being in the scriptures, that's sitting in worship together, that's allowing God and the Holy Spirit to work and change and transform us. He says, so that you may discern what is good and pleasing and the perfect will of God. I believe in this moment right now, in COVID, in controversy, in anger, in frustration, in suffering, this moment right now is a moment for the church and Christians to stand up and show that there's something better and different and true. And to do that, we got to stop arguing about stupid stuff that doesn't matter and focus on our true calling. Salt and light. Salt and light. River Church, by the grace of God, truly the grace of God, we are members of the kingdom of heaven. And since we are being transformed by Jesus, let us make the world around us better simply because you're part of that. You ever thought about a space just being better because you're just in it? Like there's, let's be honest, we have people in our lives who when they show up, the room just gets better, doesn't it? We have people in our lives where when they show up to the party, it's just a little bit more fun. It's just a little bit more happier. It's just a little bit more comfortable. There's people that when they come to your house, you feel relaxed and happy and good. Why? What'd they do? Did they do anything special? All they did was show up on the scene. It's by the nature of who they are, right? Now, on the other hand, we got people that when they come in our lives, just by nature of being who they are, make us want to rip out our hair, right? Stress us out. How do you think I got like this, right? A lot of bad people in my life, but now I'm better. God save me and help me, right? Let us be the people who by nature of, not even by who you are, but who Christ is in you, make the room better, man. Make the world better better in our from our jobs to our marriages to our relationships to every space that we encounter let us make it better because of who Christ is in us let us be diligent in that effort always remembering that we represent the king of kings and the lord of lords who has the ability to change all things amen amen whether it be our jobs, our marriages, our family, or friends, our kids, let us represent the king in such a way that they would see our lives and at least want to take a look at Jesus because of it. Like, like that our lives would at least make Jesus attractive, not the other way, right? Like, I don't want to be like that guy. I want nothing to do with that guy. No, no, no. I want something, somebody's been at work in this person, something's, somebody's doing something, there's something changing them, there's something, even though I may not even agree with them, there's a grace there and a love there that I don't understand. How can I, I want, I got to know more about it. That's not a joke, that's a real thing that happens, you know that, that's a real thing that happens. Let us be people, I don't know, who maybe because of the way we live our lives, we get to be a part of someone's story that says, I once was blind, but now I see. Amen? All right. I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to worship and sing one more song together. We're going to worship Jesus because not, not just because we get to be salt and light, but because we have a God who has saved us and is healing us and transforming us and changing us and is a good, wonderful Father. Amen? And we're going to worship because we get to be together again. All right. God, I love you. Thank you for who you are, God. Thank you for the challenge of this passage which really isn't so much of a challenge. It is just an opportunity to be who we are in front of other people, 
to, to show just by nature of transparency or honesty what you've done in us. God, I pray that we would not be contaminated by the world around us, but that we would be transformed by the renewing of our minds, Lord, that you would be at work in us and that, that all who see our lives and follow our lives and witness our lives would at the very least be curious about who you are because of the way we live in front of them. And again, it's not who we are, but it's what you are doing in us. And so God, I ask that you would move in this space. God, I pray that you would convict our hearts of this in this space today. And Jesus, we worship you in this space today because one, we get to be together and it's beautiful and it's wonderful. But two, because you're the King of kings and the Lord of lords who invites us into this kingdom life. You invite us into this relationship where you you do things like heal and you, you take the places that are broken in us and you show us where you were at work in it and you transform us and you love us and you walk through us and you give us or you walk with us and you give us you give us a foundation in life where everything else is shaking. You you are the foundation. And so we worship you for that today. We love you for that today. We ask all these things in Christ's name.